Thank you for joining us for this message from Cornerstone Community Church in Lynchburg, Virginia. Here's Pastor Willie Taylor. Yes, one to your seats. You're going to have to buy anything that's left over in the coffin ministry. I'm watching. I am watching, Mark Gregor. Don't you go out there, do Mark Gregor. You're the last one. <laughs> well, good morning to you. We are starting a new series today, and we're going to go through each chapter of Malachi, and we're going to, the book of Malachi, and we're going to do real well. It's going to be good. I have loved you is the title of today's part one. And I want to first introduce it in a, in a way that Malachi, uh, he was prophesied in about 450 B.C. And he was the last of the, uh, one of the last prophets that prophesied between the Old Testament and Jesus Christ. And he prophesied before, of course, the 400-year law in the divine revelation. What uh, Malachi did was he wanted to let the people know that they had started deviating from the word of God and the will of God. And he wanted to bring them back to a right relationship with God. And so he told them exactly where they were missing it to cause the backsliding and what they had to do to uh, get things straight and to uh, get them to a better, right relationship with the Father. And I think it's a good book. Uh, and when, when we read Malachi, it's one of those things that most people are familiar with chapter 3, but a lot of people are not familiar with chapter 1 and 2, and putting it in context of, what the, of why chapter 3 is actually there. I want to start off this morning in another place, because this is something that God led me to do. If you have your Bibles, you can... Open it to Mark chapter 4, and we're going to start in verse 9, but also we're going to go maybe to Matthew chapter 13. We're going to go there, and we're going to also go to Luke chapter uh, 8. We'll go to both of those, those places in addition to Mark. Let's start off in in Mark chapter 4, let's start with verse 13. And he said to them, do you not understand this parable? How will you understand all parables? Now, when he said that, since it's in three different locations, it's in Matthew, Mark, and Luke, I like to go back and forth to find out what was said in one of them that was not said in the other. 
So why did he even begin to tell them this? That, well, you're not going to understand any parable. or you, How are you going to understand all parables? You don't understand this one. Well, see, the disciples, if you look in, in Luke chapter 8, verse 9, his disciples began questioning him as to what this parable meant. And in, 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 um, in, in, in Matthew, it, it might have said that they, and it probably did say that they uh, wanted to find out why he was teaching in parables to the people. But I like the one in Luke. They asked the question when they got, by, uh, got, the, got the Lord by himself. They asked the question, what does this parable mean? That's why he said, if you don't understand this one. Now, he said that the soul sows the word. He had already given them this interesting parable because in, in verse 14 of Mark 4, it says, The soul sows the word. There are, these are the ones who are beside the road where the word is sown. And when they hear, immediately Satan comes and takes away the word which is sown in their heart. Well, that's interesting. Why does that happen? I want to know, why can Satan come, take away word that was given? Like if I'm giving word today, it's like I give word every single Sunday uh, that I, I sit up here and we give word every single Sunday, no matter who's up here. We want the word of God to go forth. So we're so on the word of God. Now, why would a person not get this word and hold on to this word, why would they let the enemy come steal this word? That's a question. Well, in Matthew, it gives us the answer in Matthew chapter um, 13 and verse 19. It tells us, when anyone hears the word of the kingdom, and we know it's the word of God, and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what was sown in their heart. This is the one on whom seed was sown beside the road. So beside the road is, and you can, you can picture it, because that's what I had to do, picture it. They're out going to sow seed. And if you, have a, if you have a field, you know that the field has a place where is, is people walk, walk down the, the, the road, and they have sometimes they have a, a truck, sometimes they have a little cart. And when I was doing it, I had a cart with a horse drive, drive, uh, pulling the cart because it was a tobacco thing. And I know that if, if, if any seed is sown on a hard surface, it's not going to do any good. And that's why when you sow grass seeds in your house, in your, in your yard, in the yard, and when you sow, sow it in your yard, what do people usually do? Okay, they, they put some... some Straw over the oven. Why? So, so, so it won't be exposed to the birds. Because the, the birds, you know, they, they're in the trees. They see you out there throwing uh, seeds, grass seeds. They say, oh, look at that. Look, at he, he's feeding us. And so they go eat it up. And that's what anybody would do if it's sown on hard ground. So you want to kind of cultivate it a little bit and, and sow some seeds. Well, they could get that picture, but they didn't understand. They had no clue. And so when we sometimes say, well, Jesus taught in parables, we need to teach because these parables are like life, life, uh, 
uh, examples, and they could understand that. No. He said that he taught them in parables because he said, for you, the word of the kingdom has been given, but to them who's outside, the word has not been given for them to understand because they have eyes, but they see not. They have ears, but they hear not. Because if they had ears to hear and eyes to see, they would understand and they'll be saved. That's what he said. Because the parable is given dealing with salvation. But we can apply it to any time the seed is sown in any area because the seed is the word of God. I said, okay, God, any time I'm teaching anything, I need to make sure people understand. Because if they don't understand, they can't do it. It's not the seed is not going any further. Is that correct? The word of God is not is 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 just like throwing the seed right on this carpet. It's not going anywhere. We can come back five years from now, ten years from now, twenty years from now, unless somebody vacuum, it'll still be there. It's not going to grow. It's not going to grow. And that's how it is if you don't understand. So we want to make sure you have understanding. So uh, you need to be crying out every time you come. Uh, to inner service of God, I want to understand what you're saying today. I want, because I want this thing to, to grow and I want it to bear fruit. Well, let's go a little further. Uh, I'm not going to read to you the, 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 the initial parable that he gave. I'm going to read, read to you what I've been reading, which is the interpretation that Jesus gave his disciples. Okay, now let's go to the next one, which is verse 16. He's in a similar way. These are the ones who was sown, the seed was sown on the rocket places. Well, all of you know what the parable was because the parable was sown uh, along the wayside. It was sown uh, on rocket places. It was sown uh, on thorns, and it was sown in, in, on, on good ground. Well, this is the interpretation. These are the ones that were sown on the rocket places. Who, when they hear the word, immediately they receive with joy. Woo! Wow, that it was good today. Man, that was awesome. And I understand it. Okay, great. That's good. You got understanding. So the enemy can't come away and with, with that word, steal it. And you have it with joy because it was sown, it was some dirt on those rocky places. But it's not the good ground yet. Because it says, and they have no firm root in themselves, but are only temporary. Then when affliction or persecution arises because of the word, immediately they fall away. Immediately they fall away. Now, that's, that's important now. Even though you understand it, even though you receive it with joy, God says that if it's not sown in the proper soil of your heart, if it has rocket places, that the heart is not, uh, not, not cultivated so you get, rid of, get the rocks out of there, the, the seed that was sown, it's going to come up, but it's going to wither as soon as the sun or the, you know, the weather hit it or whatever that thing happens like that. In other words, Persecution and affliction are going to come for the word. Who's sinning uh, most of the time is persecution, this affliction, 
all this thing because it's for the word's sake. In other words, it's for to get the word out. Do you think that God is trying to get the word out of you? No. So it has to be the world system. It has to be Satan, right? Our own flesh. Some, something has to come out of that word. So I want to make sure that not only do I understand something, but I want to also know that, God, I need to make sure that I get the stuff out of my heart. Now, when we're talking about heart, we're talking about our mind, our will, our emotions, our intellect. We're talking about that which is in our head, the way we think. That's what we're talking about. Because the way you think is, is going to affect. That's what he's talking about when he's talking about the heart. We shared that in another message. The heart is your mind, your will, your emotions, your intellect, the way you think about things. Because you know as well as I know, as soon as, as you hear something that you don't like, you tune it out. That's the way I am. That's the way I used to be about, you know, the word, you know, in a, in a word, basically. I didn't I, I tune it out. We're that way about most things, isn't it? Are we all about most things we don't like? Don't we tune it out? Most things we, we, we tune it out. We'll tune it right on out. But I say, you need to eat more healthy. Stop eating dessert. You're going to tune it right out if you got chocolate cake and all that out there. You're gonna, if I say, Thanksgiving, do not overeat. I want you, everybody to eat on a saucer. Do not eat on a big plate. You're going to tune me what? Out. Right? That's right. Big time. I'm going to tune myself out. Big time. Thanksgiving is for eating a lot. Asking for forgiveness later. You know? <laughs> I'm fast. Do something up until Thanksgiving. And then I come off my fast. I exercise later. I do three jumping jacks to get rid of that pot. I do something, you know. Then the next one, verse 18 of Mark chapter 4. It says, the others are the ones on whom seed was sown among the thorns. Now, if I make it through, and I want to make it through the uh, they're just a, by the wayside. I want to make it through that. I, I, I understand it. When persecution comes for this word, I'm going to say, uh-uh, no, 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 I'm going to do it. And then I have to hold on because if it's sown on thorns, it says that these are the ones who have heard the word, but the worries of this world and the deceitfulness of riches and the desires for the things in an end and choke the word and it becomes, what's that word? Unfruitful. Now, now Jesus Christ, he wants us to abide in him so that we may bear fruit, much fruit he wants to bear. And he wants our fruit to remain. Now, Satan, the world system, doesn't want 
you to bear fruit. So far, in all these situations, there is no fruit. No fruit. Even if it's sown, and you, even if you made it by the wayside, you made it through uh, the rocket places, and, and now you got the thorns, it says that the thorns going to choke the word. The worries of this world. And it's a lot of things we can be worried about. Deceitfulness of riches and the desire for other things. The world system fills the, the airways and fills the, the, the marketplace with other things that take our attention away from what God has said we need to do. They choke the word. It becomes unfruitful. Then verse 20 says, and these, those are the ones who are the seed was sown on good soil. And they hear the word and accept it and bear fruit. 30, 60, 100 fold. That's okay. That's, 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 that's what I want. That's what I want. Now let me read you from uh, Luke chapter 8, verse, uh, let's go to verse 15. Because it says it a little differently. But the seed in the good soil, these are the ones who have heard the word in an honest, an honest and good heart, and hold it fast. No words gonna get it. Nothing gonna get it. And bear fruit, but it says something that's important. Two words: with perseverance. I must persevere with this word. I must hold on fast to this word. I must grab this word like you see sometimes on TV. In the uh, news, you see they have floods. And, and you see that all the water is rushing down. The cars are, are, are floating. The uh, houses are floating. Trees are floating. And you see somebody hold on to something so they won't get washed away. That's what you're trying to You're trying to hold on for dear life for this word. With perseverance. That's what he wants. And that's what God wanted me to share because this is going to be going on all through. Anytime I, we, we go through a book of the Bible or we get the word of God, just remember that our job is to understand it and to keep it. Our job is to get our heart cultivated to get the rocks and stuff out of it. We want a pure heart. We want an honest heart. We want a good heart. Mind, will, and emotions. We have to start thinking right about some issues. Let's turn to the book of Malachi. Chapter 1. Verse 1. Now in this book, it starts off, the oracle of the word of the Lord, the word of Jehovah, Yahweh, Yahweh, of Israel, of to Israel, through Malachi. So we know that God is speaking through Malachi. And the first thing he does, 
He wants to let them know something that's very important that he wanted us to talk about today. I have loved you. I have loved you. Before he said anything negative to him, is that correct? He said, I have loved you. That's very important. That's very important. And it says, says the Lord, says Yahweh. This is, but you say, how have you loved us? How have you loved us? So God now is going to answer him. Answer them, Israel. Was not Esau Jacob's brother? What does that have to do with it? You may ask. Declares the Lord. Yet I have loved Jacob. So we have Esau and Jacob. They were what we call what? Twins. They were in the womb at the same time. And what happened? Who was the oldest? Esau was the oldest. He didn't come out first, but part of him came out. So we know that Esau was first. They tied something around the fence. He's the first one. Okay, he's the first one. He brings it back in, and then here comes the other one. Okay. But it says here, but I hated Esau. But I have hated Esau. And I have made his mountains a desolation and appointed his inheritance for the jackals of the wilderness. Though Edom says, we have been beaten down, but we will return and build up the ruin. Thus says the Lord of hosts, they may build, but I will tear down and men will call them the wicked territory, and the people toward whom the Lord is indignant forever. Forever. Your eyes will see this, and you will say, the Lord be magnified beyond the borders of Israel. Now, how did that answer this question? That I have loved you. How have you loved us? Well, wasn't Esau Jacob's brother? He's the firstborn. Doesn't have anything to do with Esau selling his birthright. Doesn't have anything to do with that. It has something to do with God's choice. God decided that Jacob is going to be blessed and Esau's not. He said, well, what did Esau do to deserve this? What did he do? Neither one of them had done anything good or bad. Neither one of them. So God chose Jacob to be the point of his blessing and Esau not. 
Can God do that? Yes, he can. He said, well, that's not fair. That's not fair. He shouldn't have done that. Because Esau didn't do anything. If, is that, if it's going to be that way, what do I have to look forward to? Because he might decide that I'm not going to be blessed. You know, my, my brother or sister is going to be blessed. And I'm going to be cursed. We are all clay in the potter's hand, aren't we? He can choose to do whatever he wants to. He can make whatever vessel he wants to make out of us. Is that correct? He's the creator. He's the, he's the, the, the potter and we are the clay. Is that correct? So in his divine choice, God chose to do that. He chose to do that. And so that's why he says that I'm going to tell you how I loved you. I'm going to tell you how I love you, Israel, because Israel was a named by, what was Israel's name before it was Israel? Jacob. I'm going to tell you how much I loved you, Israel. Esau I hated, and so this is what I did with Esau, but you I have loved. When you didn't do anything to deserve it, what did you do in us, what did we do to deserve to be saved? Nothing. Zilch. Goose egg. Nothing did we do to be saved. What did we do to be born? Nothing. Nothing. We're here by the grace of God. We, 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 we were saved by the grace of God through faith. It's all God, isn't it? Why are you alive today? Because of who? God. Why did others die? Have, people younger than you have already died. They died at a young age. But you are alive. Why? Because God decided that you're going to live and not die. God is good. You say, well, no, he's not good because he hated Esau. He hated Esau. You're not supposed to hate anybody. He hated Esau. No, he didn't hate Esau with that type of hate that, that we put on English words. No, he just, he just chose Jacob and he pronounced this is going to happen to Esau because this is, this is not, Esau hadn't done anything. Some people say, well, it's because Edom, the Edomites, they didn't do this and they didn't do that. No, they don't have nothing to do with it. It has something to do with, with God's choice. That's all it has to do with. It. And so he said, I love it. Now, we should also know how much God loves us. We should. He showed his love for Israel. Does he still love Israel? Absolutely. Absolutely. Don't you, by no means whatsoever, decide you're going to be against Israel. I don't care how little that little nation is. Don't you align yourself with anybody who is going to come against Israel. Because God has said, I have loved you. Okay? 
We don't want to hate that which God loves. Is that correct? Okay. Now, we say, well, how have God loved us? I mean, if God loved me, I wouldn't be in this situation I'm in. If God loved me, he would have, he would have healed me. If God loved me, when I was praying for this person, my loved one, he would have done this. You know, why did God do this? God doesn't really love me. God loves you. Let's look at the Gospel of John. Uh, let's look in chapter 15, uh, verse 10. Let's go there. And it says something very important to us. It says that, If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be made full. This is my commandment, that you love one another just as I have loved you. Just as I have loved you. Just as Jesus talking. Just as I have loved you. So he's talking to he's talking to the church. Just as I've loved you. How have you loved us? How have you loved us, Jesus? That's what they were asking. How did you how how you love me? He told about yourself. He tells us. He tells us in verse 13. Greater love has no one. Greater love has no one. My mother loves me more than you do, Jesus. My wife loves me more than he, you love me, Jesus. He says, greater love has no one than this, that one lay down his life for his friend. For his friend. When did Jesus lay his life down for us? Did he lay his life down for us? When? We were a friend of his when we had done so much for him, when we had said, oh, uh, Jesus, you tell me what to do, and I'm going to do it. Everything you said I have done from my youth up. Is that when he loved us? Is that when he died for us? When did he die for the church? When we were yet sinners. Sinners. Alienated to God. I mean, we were sinners. How many people going to lay our lives down for a sinner? And you say, well, I will. Well, you go to prison and you tell, you tell the president, you say, hey, president, I will go in prison for this man right here. Uh, he's a sinner. He's done, he, he's done so much bad. He's, man, he, oh, man, he's done really, really, really bad. He is a sinner. Man, everybody said he was a sinner. They called him a sinner way back. Man, this dude was bad when he was in elementary school. And he's bad now. And, and, but I'm going to die for him. Matter of fact, I'm not going to die for him. I'm going to give my only begotten son for him. Who's going to do that? Would you do that, Emily? Would you give Jackson? Uh, you say, this is my only son. I'm going to show how much I love this sinner. Jackson, I'm going to give 
Oh, you, you, you're a history, brother. <laughs> you don't want to be history? You don't want to die for a sinner? I don't either. But God sent his only begotten son. He has loved us, hasn't he? See, I think the problem with us is that we don't know how much we love. We really don't know how much we love. If we knew how much we were loved, we would be different in a lot of areas. In a lot of areas we would. We wouldn't be so um, reluctant to do what God says, even though what he says we don't want to do. When we were little, our parents told us, I want you to do this. And we said, why? Well, I learned after the first time not to say why. And I'm sure if, if, if you all, are, you know, grew up in the day, you, you, you understand. Nowadays, you know, kids uh, ask why. And they say, well, they got to give them answers. They got to do all this kind of stuff. You know, that's fine, you know, because that's the way you want to do it. But God doesn't do us that way. You can ask him why all you want to. And sometimes he doesn't tell you not one thing. Right? And what you learn to do when you're in the military, which I've never been, thank God. But I did join a fraternity in college. Woe to me. You know, and you learn that during the pledge week, if your big brother said, jump, you don't ask him, what? Why? What do you do? You jump. You just say, you start jumping, and you say, well, how high you want me to go? You just keep jumping. You just, you're jumping all the time now. You don't ask no questions. You just start jumping. You say, you want me to jump higher? You want me to jump higher? Right? But that's what you want your children to do, right? When you tell somebody something, I know that's what you want to do. Isn't that right, Don? When you tell your son, Dave, when you tell uh, Lila something to do, you want them to do what? Do it. Right? Don't be asking no why. Just do it. Just do it. Well, I tell you, I want to be obedient to the word of God even if I don't know why. Really. Because he's so good. He's so good. I want to try to do the word of God even if I don't understand it. Because I know he loves me. He loves me. He wouldn't ask me to do anything that's going to hurt me. I read that in the scripture. If you being evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more would your heavenly father give good gifts to you? So I know that he loves me. So if he asks me to do something that I don't want to do, go ask for forgiveness. If you bring your gift to the altar and you know you have something, somebody that has something against you, leave your gift to the altar and go and make right with this person and then come back and present your gift. I don't want to do that. Why should I go to somebody just because they have something against me? 
What, what do I care if they have something to give me? That's their problem. Is that right? That's not what Jesus said. He said, if you know somebody have something against you, you leave your give it all and you go and you make it right, then you come back. Because he says, I value right relationships. I value peace. I value, I value reconciliation more than this gift. Because I have reconciled you. I want you to reconcile. That's why it's so important, you know, to, to fellowship uh, and get to know your, your, your brothers and sisters in the Lord uh, when you have fellowship times because that's when iron sharpens iron. When you get to know somebody and you say, oh, my goodness gracious, I thought he was nice. I want to obey the word because I know my father loves me. Let's look at a verse. I know you know it. Let's look in Jeremiah chapter 31, verse 1. Let's look there. And he says something that's very important. And he says that at the time, declares the Lord, I will be the God of all the families of Israel, and they shall be my people. Thus says the Lord, the people who survived the sword found grace in the wilderness. Israel, when it went to find its rest, the Lord appeared to him from afar, saying, I have loved you. With a temporary love and everlasting love. Therefore, I have drawn you with loving kindness, mercy. That's what God said. You tell me one place in the Bible from Genesis all the way up to Malachi where Israel was so compliant to the word of God on a sustained basis. They were only obedient when they had a leader that made them be obedient. That they were afraid that, man, the, the glory of the Lord going to come down. You mess with Moses if you want to, but the glory of God going to come down. And I, who, Don't you mess with, don't mess with Aaron. Don't you act like you, 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 you want to be like Aaron. The last one did that. The earth opened up, and oh, they, man, the whole family went down. You know, see, God has loved Israel even though, even though. God loves you even though. We can put even though and make anything even though, right? Even though, will it tell you are late when you shouldn't be late. Even though you eat too much, even though, you know, you, I told you, I told you not to talk about your elders, but you did anyway. Even though, come on now, we can put a lot of stuff in there, didn't you? Can't we? We can put a lot of stuff in there. Anything that's in this Bible that he's told you, you know you don't do it all. 
You know it and I know it. Even though God loves you. He loves you. Now, he doesn't love what we do, but he loves us. He didn't love what Israel did. He sent them into captivity, didn't he? And that's when, that's when Malachi was, was prophesying when they had, came, they had come back from the Babylonian uh, captivity and they had come back to Israel. They um, uh, rebuilt Jerusalem. They had uh, re- renewed the, the, uh, the, the temple and they were offering worship and all those type of things. He, he, God is not going to be mocked. So if you do wrong, you're going to pay the price. But that means... That doesn't mean that he doesn't love you. He loves you. He loves you. And and here's another one that I, I know you memorized. This one, uh, Jeremiah 29, verse 11. Everybody got that. Everybody got that memorized, I'm pretty sure. For I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord, plans of welfare and not calamity, to give you future, a future and a hope. Then you will call upon me and come and pray to me, and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. They were in captivity. They were in captivity because they had sinned. And he said, he still said, oh, I know the plans I have for you. Good plans. Good plans. Good plans I have for you. God is good, isn't he? He's good. Let's close on this um, First John. Let's go there. Uh, first John, chapter. Uh, let's see where we want to go to. First John, chapter four, I think. And it's a, it is, it is a good one. Verse nineteen, chapter four, verse nineteen. Now, this verse is very important. Since God loved you, there are none Christians, not yet Christians, and there are Christians who are struggling. And one Bible translation called them carnal Christians. Christians, they're Christians, but they, 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 they walk by the flesh. They don't walk by the spirit. But they gave the life to Christ. They're just not living it. Now, if you're going to if you're going to draw them, if you're going to draw somebody to Jesus, if you're going to draw a, 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 a Christian who is walking in the flesh, you're not going to draw that person by coming up to him and say, "Woe is you, because you have sinned, and I'm going to be like I'm going I'm to I'm be like the prophet, you know, Jeremiah. I'm going to be like the prophet of the Old Testament." I'm going to tell you what God says, and you start, start speaking woe to them. You, they're not going to listen to you. The only way you're going to draw somebody is with love. It says that we love. Why do we love Jesus? Because he first loved us. That's the only reason why you love Jesus, because he first loved you. Why is a non-Christian going to fall in love with Jesus, going to listen to you? Because you first love them. Whether it's on the workplaces or whatever it is, you're going to have to show some love to somebody to draw them. You can't draw them with hate. I don't care what they are. I don't care you say, well, 
I don't like them because they are they 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 are living together uh, and they are, they they are not uh, they 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 should be married. They know they should be married. And I was talking to a person uh, back a while ago, and uh, I asked the person because that's what that's what God sometimes we do. I said, "Hey, are you married?" No, I'm not married. You having a kid? Yes, I have some kids. Are you living together with your boyfriend? Yeah. You said, well, what is bold of you? No, I, I do that only after I have developed a kind of a friendship type of thing. You know, where not friendship, but, you know, where, you know, I'm, I'm friendly and stuff like that. They, they tell me every time. They, they, they won't lie to me. They tell me. And when are you going to get married? Oh, I don't know. Do you go to church? Yes. Every Sunday. Does your boyfriend go? Yep, we go together every Sunday as a family. Okay. And then I try to draw them, but with love. Not condemnation. The person I told, I asked about that, and it's been about a week ago. Uh, what happened was that I was trying to, I'm trying to build something with the person. And so I said, uh, you know, there's a reason why you're not getting married. What's the reason? Because my father died. And it just, I, 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 my father, we were close, and, and it just threw me all off. And we were supposed to get married. And, and, and it just got me. Oh, I'm so sorry to hear about your father. I understand how it is because I have daughters. And, family. and, and I just do that. Uh, I said, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to speak to your boss on your behalf and tell him that you you, you did such a great job. You was, you're so friendly with me, you know. You 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 know you caught you, you you did this and you did this, you know. Oh, thank you so much. I didn't have to do any of that, did I? But you're trying to do what? You're just trying you're trying to be nice to the person. And I told him I'm a pastor. I told him where I'm where I pastor. She, she told me where she goes to church. Uh, and and I wasn't trying to draw to this church or anything like that. I was just trying to develop something where uh, I'm letting her know that I understand. She knows that she's in sin. So you don't have to tell her you're in sin. Okay? God is good, isn't he? We're going to continue with Malachi starting in verse 6 next week. Stand to your feet. Uh, would the people who are going to serve communion uh, come up, please? We're going to end the service uh, with communion. Thank you for listening to this message from Pastor Taylor and Cornerstone Community Church. We are located in Lynchburg, Virginia at 525 Old Graves Mill Road. You can find us online at cornerstonelynchburg.com, contact us by email, cornerstonecom at comcast.net, or call us at 434 847 4796. We pray the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance on you and give you peace.